0: On into Cougars Daily. My name is Jay Catch. I'm your host right here on the podcast each and every day talking BYU Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's a late Friday night, but it's a lot going on. BYU Fall Camp Day 2 is in the books. A lot going on down at BYU. And I actually had a chance to sit down with two friends of mine, uh, Mitch Harper and Sean Walker. Mitch, of course, works with ESPN 700, ESPN 960, and is also now the publisher of Cougar Sports Insider on the 24 um, 7. Um, network for CBS Interactive, and then Sean Walker, of course, the BYU beat writer and jack of all trades for KSL.com. Two close friends of mine in the media. We were at the indoor practice facility tonight, getting writing up our stories, getting everything done we had to do for our day jobs. And I said, "Hey." Let's record, let's talk a little bit about BYU football, early impressions of fall camp. So they agreed to do it. So here's that conversation I had with Mitch and Sean at the indoor practice facility. Hey everybody, uh, Jake Hatch here, joined by two good friends of mine. I mean, the buzzing. Let's, let's start this off. The buzzing you're hearing in the background is the lights inside the indoor practice facility on the campus of BYU. We're doing this live from the campus of BYU. I am joined by two good friends of mine, Mitch Harper, of course, he's the executive for- producer for ESPN 700, ESPN 960, also the publisher of the new, is it Cougar Sports Insider, correct, on the 24-7 network? And of course, my other friend, who's a regular on different podcasts with me as well, Sean Walker from KSL.com. Do you have other titles? I gave Mitch like four different titles. You got anything else besides KSL?
1: Utah Jazz Beat Writer for KSL.com. Is that some breaking news? No, I'm just kidding. Hashtag breaking news. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm not the Jazz Beat Writer. I did write a jazz story the other day, though. Oh, so
0: Okay, you are the big writer.
1: Jake told me that he was not impressed
0: by it, so we won't get into it. I didn't read it. That's that's the truth. I didn't read it. I didn't you really wrote it. I
2: wasn't impressed just because it didn't say Lebron in it. <laughs> it needed to say hashtag la Bron It didn't. It didn't read. come. Didn't
0: come across your Google <laughs> alerts then? Resident yeah, my feedly, resident Utah Laker fan over here. <laughs> Anyways, okay, gentlemen, we were out here day two of BYU football, uh, fall camp. Uh, they were inside the indoor practice facility You could tell Kalani Sataki was really annoyed with that I guess there were some lightning concerns With some of the dry, Well I guess is it monsoon moisture that causes it The yeah. Lightning concerns He says we had to go inside because he wants them to be outside He wants to get used to this 100 degree heat Because they are going to Tucson with this first game um, I guess started off Open up to both of you guys What were your overall impressions of day
2: two? Well, I mean, I think that with day two, I was obviously watching the quarterbacks extensively. And, and I really thought that all three quarterbacks looked really good. I thought yesterday Joe Critchlow was maybe uh, third, if you were to have my kind of particular personal pecking order. But I thought all three looked really good. Zach Wilson uh, continues to look great. and I mean, if, if he's at times looking better than Joe Critchlow will... Joe Critchlow was considered to be one of the, the best ever, right, by Ed Lemmon. I'm kidding. But, uh, no, I thought Zach Wilson looked good. I think Tana looks good, too. And I think the fact that, you know, he's down 22 pounds. In fact, I heard that he's dropped another two pounds, so 24 pounds total uh, since spring ball. He does look really good out there. And there's moments where some of the velocity is still a question, but mm-hmm. I still think these quarterbacks as a whole, they've gotten a lot better since where they were last November against Hawaii.
1: Yeah, and I think Kalani confirmed he unofficially confirmed it yesterday with the, the, I guess, semi-announcement that Bo Hodge was moving to to, yeah. to running back. But he, he really put a stamp on it today with... Uh, clarifying the quarterback competition as a true three-man competition yeah. now between Tanner Mangum, Joe Critchlow, uh, and Zach Wilson. And, and I agree with you, Mitch. I, I don't see a ton of separation between these three guys. And I know, I know the, old, the old adage, the old stigma is if you don't have one quarterback, you don't have any. But I'm, I'm seeing a really good competition for a lot of good reasons so far. I think there's a lot that you, you obviously can't completely discount Tanner Mangum's experience. He's mm-hmm. by far the most experienced quarterback in this room and you can tell he just thinks about the game differently but you're seeing Joe critchell right now who by the way ended last season on a very good note at hawaii yes but he ended the season on a very good note um and i'm just seeing him more and more confident which i think was the only thing that he lacked last year yeah um and now you've got zach wilson who is still zipping balls like he's just in the back in his backyard in draper or at corner canyon tossing them up to To Utah State commits and a Wyoming long snapper and and who knows what else I I mean I, I really see this as a very veritable competition I know the coaches have said they want to try to have a starter by the end of the second week of fall camp I don't know if they have one at this point no. I mean, I, th- I think this competition might drag out a little
0: bit. It's going to drag out a little bit. I was really impressed with Zach Wilson today. I, I I feel like he has come into fall camp in good shape, and for being a true freshman, he just slings the ball all over the field. He dropped that one pass we saw to Moroni Lahu Pututau mm-hmm. between two defenders. He did that a couple of times. I, I, that one to MLP was probably the most significant in my mind. But I I, I kind of agree with you guys. It, we had three man race here, which Kalani Sitaki, like you said, he kind of clarify that today is three guys if I were to I guess rank it after today I would go I, I'm still in the opinion that Tanner Mayhem's getting the start September 1st against Arizona yeah based on today I would say if it held out even though we're only two days in Zach Wilson would be the backup Joe Critchlow third but that's going to be fluid throughout fall camp
2: yeah and I think with Zach Wilson too I, I think that him training with John Beck in the offseason I think that was notable and Think of how important it was adding Zach Wilson. I mean, last December when Jeff Grimes gets hired, you don't have Zach Wilson. Tanner Mangum's injured. Joe Critchlow had that nice Hawaii win and the UNLV win, but he still also had the dubious distinction of losing to UMass. So it was a kind of a a cluster a bit. And then, of course, Bo Hodge at that time was a quarterback, and he was coming off the concussion and the ankle injuries and whatnot. So this quarterback position has seen a lot of progress. Credit Aaron Roderick, the passing game coordinator, who I think, Guys, it's interesting. You know, when you hear the the title coordinator in his name, I think it's I think it really is fifty fifty. Where Grimes is going to be that run game coordinator like he was at LSU, mm-hmm. and I think Roderick is going to have full control over all things passing attack yeah. in this BYU offense. So I just think that Kalani back in December knew that he couldn't. Just hand the keys to Aaron Rodgers. Byu fans everywhere would have had an absolute <laughs> meltdown, and that couldn't happen. But but I think that there has been significant progress, and I think it's the cap to this coaching staff uh, and what they've been doing so far with these guys and getting Zach Wilson was a huge boost because it's made everyone better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, it's it's just it's made it so these guys understand. Hey, you're on you're on notice now. Like we got a kid that's a freshman here, and the, kind of the old adage is if you have two guys who are even, you play the young guy. So he's gonna push he's gonna push. Tri- Critchlow and he's going to push uh, Tanner Mangum. Um, I wanted to ask you guys the tight ends today really stood out. Uh, Kalani Satake in the post game, post practice interviews, he highlighted uh, Marone Lulu Pututau, uh, Matt Bushman, of course. We also highlighted Dallin Holker and Hank Tui, Tui Piloto, who are two freshmen at tight end. If they can get steady steady contributions from these tight ends this year, I think this offense has a whole new dynamic to it. What do you guys think?
1: Right, and and part of, I I think a big part of the problem with BYU's myriad offensive woes last year—it it wasn't good. It was completely unacceptable. It was a dumpster fire at times. It was mediocre at best throughout the season, mm-hmm. and I think a big part of that problem was the lack of the ability to go to a true two tight end set like they planned for all through the summer, all through fall camp with Matt Butchman, and Bututau, Bututau gets injured, gets that that dreaded Liz Frank mm-hmm. uh, rears her ugly head, yep. and 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 sets a. Uh, uh, another BYU player down for the season. Um, Marona can't come back from that and now all of a sudden this two, tight end form- this two tight end set that they've been planning on all year is down to a one tight end set most of the time or maybe an unprepared two tight end set if you will, an yeah. extra blocker in JJ Nwigwe maybe uh, that kind of thing. So I think being able to have two veritable pass catchers um, who can also block but can run those short routes and get out in the middle of the field is going to be absolutely crucial for BYU's offense this year, Yeah, and I think uh, 100%. With,
2: and I think with Holker, too, I mean, he's someone that really stood out. He's a true freshman at of Lehigh. I mean, the production, you guys know as well as anyone off the charts in terms of production. I mean, I often wonder... Who made who better? Cam and Cooper made Dallin Holker. Did yeah. Dallin Holker make Cam and Cooper? That's great question. Um, and Cam and to it sounds like he's doing some decent things up at Washington State, yeah. uh, competing for that quarterback job. He's but in contention
1: to start right yeah. now. Mike Leach said it at the Pac-12 Media Days.
2: It's a good point. And I think yeah. Holker's a heck of a player. But I, it's interesting, too, because the last regime offense, they, they really wanted to focus on the tight ends. Seems like that's a common trend now with this new offensive staff. And I think they understand that because... BYU, they got limitations with recruiting skill guys, tight ends. As we well know, they can get a lot of good ones, and there's a lot of good ones. Even with the loss of Joe Tukwafu, mm-hmm. Um, because you really thought maybe going into fall camp they were maybe a little thin at the tight end yeah. because of the loss of Tukuafu. I think that's kind of going at putting that those feelings at bay right now because when Kalani's mentioning Tui Polotu and and uh, and Dallin Holker—that's notable. I mean, he would even give some praise to Malik Moore when asked about when he had that interception today at the end of <laughs> yeah. at the end of the observation window. We had,
1: yeah. And, yeah. and, and to his credit, um, both him and Eliza Tuiaki said they didn't really see the interception very well. Kalani yeah. was worried about other stuff, and yeah. Tuiyaki was on the other side of the field with the defensive lineman. So, uh, <laughs> so to be fair, yeah. we're gonna—they're probably never gonna live that down. <laughs> not seeing that
0: pick, yeah. But that um, but, but, uh, they were because well, Tuiaki. He tried to clarify. as said, well, we'll have to go back and look at the film. And I'm like, you're going to see the film. You're going to be really impressed with what Malik Moore did on that play. Because that was a great individual effort. Um, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Of course, the Bo Hodge move to running mm. back here. I'm of the opinion it's actually a really good move. I, I, he's, You look at him, he's just very physically impressive. He's very muscular. He's quick. He's, he's fast on his feet. Do you guys think that he sticks long-term at the position, or do you do you think he ultimately goes back to quarterback?
2: I, you know, I'm kind of torn on this. I, I think that ultimately right now he he's kind of 50-50. We're not seeing him get quarterback reps, it should be noted, at least during the observation yeah. we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he could be seeing stuff when they kick it off at 4 o'clock, you know, and yeah. his practice goes from 4 to 6. But from what we understand, it's been at running back. And But it, what makes me pause on it is that in that Utah State game last year, we all go back to that. He just looked really good. And there was a feeling of he was having a lot of success, big play capabilities. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder, you know, what he could do uh, with, if healthy. But I think that's the big issue is that if healthy, I don't think they can count on him being healthy. And I think that's one of the reasons why he made they made the switch, because realistically his health concerns are are still an issue, I I would say, at least from the coaching staff's perspective. He says that he's 100% cleared, but I think there's still some caution, especially when you're dealing with concussions. And Mm -hmm. from what it sounds like, too, I mean, these can be genetic-type things with Merrill Hodge, his history of concussions. Um, So that's no joke, and that's nothing to play around with. And oddly enough, it sounds like, I mean, I'm not no doctor here, but uh, you know, concussions, it seems like the probabilities – might be less as a running back. I, I don't know the science behind it, but um, I, I think that with Bo Hodge at running back, I think it's a good move. Will it be permanent? though? I, I, I'm hesitant to say that right now.
0: Well, with the running backs thing, you can kind of protect yourself a little bit more. I think as a quarterback... where It's a lot
2: easier to brace yeah, yourself because you're yeah. expecting Quarterback, when you're
0: prone, when you're up there just stepping into a throw and a guy pops you under the chin... Yeah, bracing yourself near impossible. So
2: yeah, who knows? When you asked a good question too in the media scrum, Jake, about you know asking Kalani about going live, and yeah. thought that was notable today because yeah. when you say blindside hits, I remember Zach Wilson in Spring Ball, he got crushed. He got by Devin yeah. Cafusi on a blindside <laughs> hit, which is those are the type of blows that. Maybe coaches were worried about with Bo Hodge. They're going to go live when they get the pads on next week, and I thought um, that's going to be—it's so unique to think a guy in a green jersey is going to be getting hit. But we're going to be seeing that next week. Yeah.
1: And and speaking of Zach Wilson, on that regard, he's also not immune uh, to injuries by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. His his Corner Canyon coach. Uh, told us several times that, that there were times when they just had to outright pull him from practice because he would have ankle issues, foot issues. He had a knee, uh, a knee injury his junior year, I think it was. Um, he missed a good chunk of his senior year with a, a was a foot injury, an, yeah, an Achilles yeah. tendon sprain, I think it was. Something to that effect.
0: Um, it really limited him. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it certainly
1: limited him a lot. Probably cost. I mean. If so, you're a Corner Canyon apologist, you probably cause Corner Canyon a spot in the, in the state championship game.
0: Yeah, uh, not I think being you can argue for that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Uh,
1: certainly. So, so I think we'll know a lot more about Zach Wilson when we can see him go fully live and take those hits and see him bounce back from those hits and pop up from the Devin Cafusis of the world, the Corbin Kafusis of the world, uh, you know, taking a blow from Sione Taki, if you yeah. will. Um, I think we'll know a lot more about him and his readiness to be a Division One starting quarterback.
0: Okay, um, real quick here, guys. I I don't want to keep you too long, but... Give me a guy or two that, okay, through two, I, we're through two days, and they've only been in helmets, we haven't seen pads yet, but give me a guy or two that you, has impressed you through the early part of fall camp at this point.
2: I really like Kyrus Tonga once again. Now he's healthy, he looks like he's bigger. Crazy enough, he's a mountain of a man in the middle of that defensive line. I'm really expecting big things um, from Kyrus Tonga. I would also say Austin Lee. I think Austin uh-huh. Lee is going to be really good. Uh, I mean, he's been kind of a, he's... I wouldn't say he's a household name yet but I think for us we've seen a lot of him at the first team reps in spring and fall thus far I think Austin Lee is going to be really good very smart intuitive player Uh, I like his background he played up at uh, Utah competed against like of Marcus Williams and he's one of the faster guys there just kind of You know, crack the two deep. That was a very deep safety groom that uh, Austin Lee was at at Utah. But I think he's found a nice home here. And and those are two guys that really stand out. And I'd also add Zach Catella, too. Uh, Running back, I really like what I'm seeing from Lapini Catella.
0: What do you got, Sean?
1: Yeah, I I really. Zach Catella is one that I was definitely going to bring up. This is a kid who I can very easily see starting September 1st uh, at Arizona based on his early production and what he looks like this early in fall camp. If he keeps up on this trajectory. Uh, he might be that RB1. Um, uh, th- the other one, and, and you guys are going to make fun of me for this because this is extremely cliche, everybody's probably heard it, but I really like what Tanner Mangum's bringing. Coming off of a rather disappointing junior year, um, even, even aside from that Achilles tendon tear, he was he, he looked to be taking a step back from his freshman and sophomore seasons. Uh, a little bit But I think he's regained that step I think he's regained that edge His mechanics look a lot better mm-hmm. He looks to be in much better shape You mentioned earlier he, He's lost almost 25 pounds now He's trimmed up He's cut He's fit uh, I think he's really ready to make one final go at it as a senior And I don't think you can discount that from the quarterback race
0: No, you can't And with that experience alone That should be really interesting One guy I wanted to mention that I've really liked so far Is Dylan Colley I just think he's a steady veteran presence he sounds like the literal like in, reincarnation Incredible. of his older brother Austin but I think he's just a steady senior guy and he, he's gonna play he's gonna he's gonna do good things I think this uh, year
2: another guy I wanted to mention uh, five defensive players now through two days have mentioned this guy and this is a deep sleeper I don't think he's gonna play much this year but fan this could be a fun story for us to kind of track down the road Michael Bruno. Five defensive players Heard have said about, about him, yeah. one-on-ones, he's blowing up, guys. I mean, 50-50, he's, he's losing some. He only has one trick in his, his arsenal. That's a bull rush, basically. That's it. Well, Ziggy Ants only had a bull rush. Exactly. And it's the same story. It's learning football. It's kind of Molongi-like. But this guy's got a lot more athleticism. Five different players on the defensive side have said they've really... Liked what they've seen from Michael Bruno. Um, one of the one-on-ones he had against Brady Christensen in day one led to a lot of
0: chi hoos yes, I've, I've never heard that. That was actually pretty funny. All right, gentlemen, we got to wrap this up. Appreciate you guys hanging out and talking some football with me. we will do We got to do this again. We're going to do this again. We're going to, be, going to be kind of fun. So thanks again for joining me, guys. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm always down. Thank you. There you go. Sean Walker, Mitch Harper, thank you them for so much for the time to join me this evening. Uh, it was kind of fun. You heard that buzzing in the background. Apologies, but it's the lights there in the indoor practice facility. But we're recording right on site, getting our impressions right after practice ended, after we wrote our stories up. Uh, you can check out their work all over the place. Like I said, Mitch with um, ESPN 700, ESPN 960. Also, uh, on the Scout Network, well, not Scout anymore, 24-7 Network, at com, And, of course, Sean Walker, go to KSL.com, catch all his work there. Thank them, once again, for the time. All right, we'll take our time out here. We'll come back. Going to get a few notes from practice today, and then also coming up, our quick hits as we wrap things up on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Cougs Daily. And we're back right here on Cooks Daily. Thank you so much for tuning in, talking BYU sports each and every day. I'm your host, Jay Catch. All right, uh, quickly, I just wanted to kind of recap some of the highlights from day two of BYU fall camp that we didn't already get to with Sean and Mitch. Uh, if you missed that conversation, rewind the podcast. So you can get their thoughts on that. A couple of things here. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Elisa Tuiaki, the, the defensive coordinator for BYU, spoke to the media today. And he he called it, quote, fake football without the without, without players and pads. He said he's worried about injury concerns with guys uh, not suited up and going full bore at each other. He said it was just, uh, that, like I said, the fake football. And I, I tend to agree with him. You don't really see things really happen. And he's talking more about the trenches where offensive and defensive linemen are concerned. But he wants to see these guys in action, and I, I, I can't blame him. Um, it was kind of funny, though, when he was asked, like, hey, how do you gauge success for your defense in the team in the interim when they don't have these pads on? He was pretty funny about it. He said, we're all successful now. So there you go. Lots going on there. Uh, the tight end group, as uh, Kalani Satake, as we mentioned in the previous segment with Mitch and Sean, Kalani Satake was very high on his tight ends today. I thought that Zach Wilson had a standout day at quarterback. I thought he played very, very well, completing passes around and uh, and dropping passes in between defenders to wide receivers. Uh, he had a great day. I thought that quarterback battle is going to continue to go on, it, but it was a good day for the tight ends. I think if the tight end can be a consistent threat, like I mentioned with Mitch and Sean, it completely changes this offense. It can really help them. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, freshman defensive back Malik Moore ended the scrimmage with a nice interception. He stepped in front of the receiver to intercept Tanner Mangum. He was on an out route. Uh, he got mobbed by his teammates. That You could tell they were really fired up about it. and For good reason. It was a good play by him. A lot of youngsters playing today. Uh, Hank tui to Dallin Holker, getting shoutouts from Kalani Sitake. Uh, so it, it was all in all, I thought it was a good second day. You kind of wonder, I'm, I'm sure coaches do the same thing in the media. You wonder okay, after your first day, all the kind of the jitters and getting ready for fall camp, do you have a lapse on the second day when you've gone through the first day? I felt like BYU kept the energy up. They had played. They did well, so I thought it was a good day all in all for the Cougars, but we, we will see um, where... It goes going forward. I believe they are scheduled to practice tomorrow. No media availability, though, if that is indeed the case. Uh, Next media availability probably comes Monday or Tuesday when we have a chance to catch up, and by then BYU should be at least in shoulder pads, if not full pads, which will be a benefit so once we can see the offensive and defensive lines really go at each other and see players go full bore. Uh, Kalani Satake indicating that he plans to make his quarterbacks live during portions of fall camp this fall. So, a lot changes once pads are fully on. Guys feel like, okay, I'm ready to go. Because when you have just a helmet, I get that helmets make guys feel pretty invincible. It's kind of been shown statistically. Like you, you, Scientists have studied this. You put a helmet on a guy in a football uniform, they put a helmet on him, they feel like they're protected, they can do anything they want, and actually causes bigger issues with in terms of um, bigger hits head trauma etc and there's a there's a big debate right now do you take the face mask in particular which is really something that causes the the psyche to think you're more invincible than you actually are take the face mask off of football helmets and it might change how the game is played and i I tend to agree so uh, yeah like i said it, it without pads you really don't get a good feel for these guys so once the pads go on we will see so we'll keep you updated on that of course we'll be podcasting every day updating you getting you ready doing some position previews going forward uh starting to get some individual one-on-one interviews for media availability for you as well should be a lot of fun right here on Cooks daily all right we'll take our penultimate time out here we'll come back get some quick hits for you got some basketball news we need to get to and uh an interesting thing. Could the Lavelle Edwards patches that BYU wore in the uniforms last season stay on this season? We'll talk about it. That's coming up on Cougs Daily. Welcome back to Cooks Daily. I am Jake Hatch, your host. If you want to reach out to the podcast, do so on Twitter, at my personal Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch. You can hit up the show at Cougs Daily. Um, email me at jake.hatch at 1280thezone.com or hatch 77 at Gmail. Either way, it gets to me. I can get get to get to responding to you. A lot of good interaction on Twitter today. I threw out who people wanted to hear from, uh, not hear from, to wanted me to kind of focus on and practice. Great responses. I appreciate each and every one of you for reaching out and hopefully I was able to answer your questions to the best of my ability. I'd love to answer them here on the podcast as well so send them to me anytime. Happy to do that. We'll do some mailbag segments going forward with the podcast as well. It can be kind of fun. This podcast is just kind of an outlet for me to talk about stuff that maybe doesn't make it into my written stories or on my during my day job with my radio show with DJ and PK on the Zone Sports Network. But it's it's fun and I really enjoy it. So, the, so let me know if you have things you want to talk about or things you want to hear about. I'd be Happy to help you. All right, couple of things. So, uh, Jake Welch, he's a writer f- with Vanquish the Foe, which is the BYU blog on the SB Nation network. He mentioned something. It, it, it call it uniformity. It's this, it quote a special place on the internet, dedicated to our healthy obsession with anything and everything to do with BYU uniforms. Jake Welch was talking about the embarking on fall camp, but there was a picture he found of um, BYU quarterbacks, and will including now BYU running back Bo Hodge wherein three of the quarterbacks, Tanner Mangum, Bo Hodge, and Joe Critchlow, are wearing their royal blue BYU uniforms that have the Lavelle Edwards patch on them. Uh, The only person in the photo without the patch is freshman Zach Wilson with his number 11 jersey. Uh, That very easily could be... um, a mistake, but more evidence that they may be keeping these patches on the uniform. Corbin Kafusi, Diane Gonwoloku, um, and Eleva Hifo had uniforms that have the patch on them. So maybe they're using uniforms from last year that had the patches on them as it was. But as an independent, BYU doesn't have any really. Um, they don't have to wear a conference patch, all these different things. I'm of the opinion, you keep that you keep that Lavelle Edwards patch on there. I think it should be a permanent addition to the BYU football uniform. I think it's a great tribute to a, to the man that built the BYU football program into what it is. There, there's no other person that you can credit what the BYU, BYU football program is. To be to being what it is outside of Lavelle Edwards, he was the architect. So I think it should be a permanent deal. It should be left on, and it should be a permanent thing. So I would advocate for that. But I don't make those decisions, obviously. But we'll see what happens with that. All right. Also here in quick hits as we wrap things up is a BYU basketball commitment. Uh, View guard Nate Hansen is committed to play basketball for BYU. Um, he'll be a senior this coming year for the Thunderbirds. There in Provo, he will be um, headed on an LDS mission before returning. Turning to play, um, he becomes the third, I believe, in-state kid to commit in the last couple of weeks uh, to going to Utah in terms of sky views, Mason Falls, Lev and Pleasant Groves, Matt Van Komen. Uh, but Dave Rose landed the commitment from the six-foot-three guard Hanson. Uh, he played with Hunter Erickson, who signed with BYU last fall, is currently on a mission. He made th- ninety, so Hanson made ninety-three pointers last season. He scored a career-high thirty points in a game against Cottonwood last January. Uh, he's been on an AU team coached by former BYU star Marty Hawes, who had two sons that have played at BYU and still playing there and TJ. So a uh, six foot three guard, probably more of a point guard. Um, prospect in, in terms of his height for Hanson, but he's very excited. His quotes in the story um, said he's very excited to go play for BYU. Um, it says that he well, he tweeted on Thursday night when he committed, so happy that I've committed to play basketball at BYU. Of course, playing at tent View, he's only minutes away from the BYU campus, so there you go. Another in-state Utah Valley kid commits to BYU. Dave Rose is high on the guys that are here locally. He believes he can win with them, and we will see what happens with that. Alright, there you go. That's the podcast for today. We'll be back on Monday. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll be talking about the week two, I guess, of BYU fall camp, getting the pads going and whatever else happens. There's a lot going on as things start ramping up. Um, Get out to the, if you want to watch the women's soccer team, I I failed to mention this. They have the blue and white scrimmage tomorrow at Southfield. Go check that out. You can watch Jennifer Rockwood's team in action as I was leaving BYU tonight. The lights were on at Southfield. Looked like they were scrimmaging or maybe practicing ahead of that scrimmage tomorrow but it should be a lot of fun so get out and enjoy that all right enjoy your weekend we'll be back on monday thank you so much for your continued support here on the podcast feel free to reach out anytime you want and i'd love to hear from you let me know what you're thinking and what or what you want to hear more about and i'd be happy to do that thanks again for tuning in to Cooks daily